0: Uh, So, today is Palm Sunday, Uh, most of you already uh, found out to the screen and also just by marking on your calendar, Uh, today is 1984th Palm Sunday, of course, first Palm Sunday, they didn't call the Palm Sunday because it's a name just we came up with many, many years later. And we'll find out later why it's called Palm Sunday. Uh, So, first Palm Sunday, even though they didn't call it, it was on A.D. 33. And that's the year, you guessed it, when Jesus died on the cross. On that Sunday, on Palm Sunday, which is the beginning of the one week, the seven days, which we call Holy Week, or we also call the seven days beginning of today, The next seven days is called Passion Week. You you saw the movie called The Passion of Jesus. That's when the word passion came. So we call it Passion Week. So on that Sunday, Jesus entered Jerusalem on a donkey, as we read in the scripture. And the people were very happy because they've been waiting for the Messiah to come for a long time. And we're going to find out how long they've been waiting, and I'll show you the chart later. And not only they were so happy, they were joyous. They took the palm leaves from the palm tree, which they had a lot of them in the Jerusalem back then, because this was April that year, and some people, including the lady you see on that picture on the bottom left side, they were so happy that he was coming, they took the clothes and, and laid them on the dirt street so that the donkey and Jesus can walk on it. That's how they're happy they were. Coming of Messiah was predicted or prophesied long time ago. The first mention of Messiah coming was in the book of Genesis, uh, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 15, and uh, verses on the bottom, but what it means is uh, Messiah will be the offspring, descendant of a woman, Eve. So there was the first mention of Messiah, even though they didn't call him Messiah back then, uh, that's what they meant in the scripture. When Jesus came to Jerusalem, by that time, he was kind of local celebrities. He was already well known. By the time he performed at least 37 miracles, which is recorded in the Bible, but I'm sure he performed many more. We just have 37 in our Bible. And also, he did many, many healings. The one that is recorded in the Bible is just 31. He actually did individual healing. But you know that sometimes he healed a group of people. So it could be thousands of people he healed. And also, he did a lot of the teachings, including teaching at Mount, the Sermon of the Mount. We all know that. So, by the time when he entered the Jerusalem, he was a famous person. And on top of that, he came in on a donkey. You might say, why did he come on a white horse? Well, there is a reason why he came on a donkey. But when Jewish people saw him on donkey, they knew, ah, this is the Messiah. They've been waiting for a long time. And we're going to look at the uh, verse a little later. So verse in uh, Zechariah 99, it said, The king is coming, shout for joy, people of Jerusalem. Your king is coming to you. He saves. He's gentle and riding on a donkey. When God wrote this in the Bible through prophet Zechariah, God didn't say the Messiah would be coming in a shining red dress. He said he will be on a donkey. That was the only clue, the cosmetic clue God has given to us through the Bible, donkey. So at least 500 years, even more, people waiting. Wait for the person who comes on a donkey. Whenever someone comes on a donkey, he could be Messiah. So when they saw him on a donkey, on top of it, he was already famous. They said, this is Messiah that we've been waiting. He will take care of all our problems. That's what they thought. So that's why they were so happy. Of course, as we know, things change very quickly. Jesus said, the time has come. He meant it's time to die. But of course, Jewish people think thought that he was coming for something else. If there was a Twitter back then, probably Jesus would ask, hey, Peter, write this message, make sure it's 140, and send it out. Since you have uh, 288, uh, uh, 258 million followers, send this out. And probably the message will be exactly as written in the Bible. Jesus is coming, entering Jerusalem. Go out with palm trees. Greet him and sing Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And if there was Instagram, probably, the John will take a picture of him entering Jerusalem and put it on the Instagram and did the same thing. He actually noticed he had less follower than Peter. And of course, if the look was there, Jesus should say, Hey look, hey, hey, what are you doing? Uh, put that picture that, the, uh, that we have on the Facebook and broadcast it to millions and millions of people. Did you notice before this week? Whenever disciples said, are you Messiah? Jesus said, shh, no, 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 I'm not supposed to say that. And when other people said, are you a Messiah? He said, no, 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 my time is not yet. But that week, as he said in Luke 17, the time arrived, the time to die. And this time, he wasn't shy about his existence. He said, let them know. And that's what they're doing. It was supposed to be happy time. Actually, it should be happy time. But the time of Passion Week turned from happy time to very sad and bitter time very quickly, as we'll find out in a few minutes. Why? So let's unpack this Passion Week slowly. Think of it as it comes in a box. And uh, there are five things we're going to look at. First, why was Jesus treated like king only one day? Yes, he was treated like king only one day, even though he is a king of us. And we're going to look at why he cried. In the Bible, he only cried twice. You remember the, his good friend Nazareth? When he died, he cried. Second time he cried, he cried during the Passion Week. And we're going to find out why he did. And also, he got upset. He's very gentle, loving, humble, sacrificial. So he really didn't get upset much. But he did get upset twice. Second time he got upset, it happened during passionately, and we're going to find out why he did, and that's very important. And number four, so why is Palm Sunday so important to God? We kind of know that it is important, but let's look at in detail. Why is it important? And lastly, why is this so important to us and me? Well, it is very important, and that's what we're going to talk about. So, number one. Why was he king just one day? The reason it's called Palm Sunday? Because Jerusalem happened to have lots of palm. If it had a different kind of flower, maybe it would be called a different kind of flower Sunday. But Jerusalem, in April, had lots of palms. And that's why it's Palm Sunday. So as you see, the people were waving palm when he was coming in. By Wednesday, which is only three days later, three days after Sunday, things start to become kind of sad. You notice that the Wednesday is also called Spy Wednesday. That is by the way, official name. So throughout the world, coming Sunday in three days, it's going to be called as Spy Wednesday. Uh, And you you guessed it already. Because of the person named Judas Iscariot. Wednesday is called Spy Wednesday. On Wednesday night, after a small group gathering with Jesus, Judas sneaked out quietly in the back. And he went and met other people. And he said, he actually met the chief priest. And he asked, so what will you give me if I deliver him? meaning Jesus, to you. They negotiated the price and settled on 30 silver coin. It's not a lot of money, but it's not a small chunk either. So here a picture shows the Judas on the left, one with the muscle on the arm. He's uh, talking with the priest, and they negotiated 30 silver coins. And that's the price. And this is the actual coin, same as the one that the, Jesus, uh, the Judas received. You notice that the Roman symbol on the coin. So how much is the 30 coin worth? It's about $600 today's money by weight. But their living standard was a little different. So if you compare it to us in US dollar today, is about $3,000 to $4,000. So it's not a lot of money, but it's not a small chunk either. But anyway, that's the money he got for selling Jesus. So Wednesday night, Judas negotiates selling Jesus. Thursday night, which is also known as the Last Supper, Jesus sitting in the back. You know, you can tell who is Jesus, right? He's the guy with humble-looking, rather handsome, with a little bit of beard. Although in the back is Jesus, and he gathered his own small group with the twelve disciples. Okay, I know some of you already start counting the number of disciples. Okay, there are twelve of them, but you might have problem finding the number twelve. But he's there. He's in the painting. He's right there. So why is he in the shadow? Because as he did on Wednesday night, Thursday night, he had to keep his promise, and he has to deliver Jesus. So he's, again, sinking out in the back, and he's going to go and get the soldiers and come back, which is what he did. So while Jesus was speaking, a crowd came up, and Judas, one of the 12 apostles, was leading them, meaning the soldiers. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you using the kiss to give the son of man to his enemies? Of course he did, Luke 22. Friday morning, as we all know, started very early. One of the reason activity in the Friday morning started early is because they kind of knew that Jesus already had a lot of followers and he was famous, so they want to take care of things very quickly and get over it. Otherwise, it could become pretty dicey. So people who were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Friday, uh, Sunday. By Friday morning, uh, OK, I was kind of concerned a little bit. By Friday morning. Jesus was in the court. And even Pontius Pilate said, okay, I find this gentleman named Jesus no wrong. So I have no reason to kill him. Are you sure you're going to kill him? And they said, same people who said, Hosanna, Hosanna, on Sunday said, yes, crucify him, crucify him. So on Sunday, he was king. And by Friday morning, He was about to die as a criminal. And of course, the crucifixion happened on Friday. So if you look at Matthew 21, describing Sunday, Palm Sunday, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. That's what they said. By the way, Hosanna means save. It's in Hebrew, save. So save, save. By... Friday morning, John 19, take him away, take him away, crucify him. So Jose turned into crucify him, and the praise turned into mocking. And he was king, but now he's criminal. It all happened in the Passion Week, in less than five days. And the, our king, the Savior, Jesus, died on the cross, why did Jesus, or the Judas, do this? Why did people crucify him? That's a good question, isn't it? Because we have to think about this. Sometimes we accept Jesus, and we go to church. Then sometimes because he doesn't answer the things the way we want. So because we don't get, we reject him too. Sometimes we leave church. We don't crucify him, but in a way, we do, because we're betraying him. So if you think about ourselves, we can understand what happened to Judas. Because Judas was expecting Messiah to be militant Messiah. He wanted him to come in and kill all the Romans, and get rid of the Roman government, and start a new government, and Judas thought he'll be one of the secretary, like a secretary of defense or secretary of state. But he realized Jesus came to die. And he said, oh, no, no, that, that's not what I want. Then he said, hmm, maybe he's not the Messiah that we're waiting. So it wasn't that difficult for him to sell Jesus because a high priest badly wanted Jesus anyway. And people, same thing. They expected someone to come and save them from their oppression and give them temporary convenience. Because Jesus came for eternal salvation, eternity, not only temporary, which he can provide too. So they rejected it very quickly. No, 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 this is not the Messiah we've been waiting for thousands and thousands of years. So that's why they decided to go with crucifixion. Uh, number two. Why did, did Jesus weep? He came closer to the city, meaning Jerusalem, and when he saw the city, he wept. So why did he cry? And I told you that he doesn't cry that often, but he cried. When he saw the city, even before he entered it on Sunday, He cried, because this is what he said. Jesus said, your enemy, Romans, will completely destroy you and the people. Not a single stone will live in its place. Because you did not recognize the time when God came to save you, this is going to happen. So Jesus knew already. When he was, before he even entered the Jerusalem, because he's God, he's omniscient, he knew what's going to happen. So he knew that people are going to celebrate on Sunday, but in a few days, they're going to say, kill him. So he wept. Because for the punishment, he had to let Jerusalem to be destroyed. So after Jesus died, 37 years later, A.D. 70, Romans destroyed Jerusalem. Roman soldiers came and surrounded the city of Jerusalem and burned and killed people. Over 1.1 million people, by estimate, died on that day. That's called destruction of Second Temple. So what Jesus said, or foresaw already, happened just merely 37 years later, because people rejected Jesus, because they rejected Jesus, that happened. And this is the actual picture of the stones that crumbled down on that day when Roman destroyed the city. If you go to Jerusalem, if you go to a section called the Western Wall, this is what it looks like. It's still there, exactly the way it happened almost 2,000 years ago it's now tourist attraction, but it's just there exactly the way it is. I had a question. Why don't they reconstruct this? I don't know. It's there. So number three, why was Jesus angry? It was not because of the rejecting. This was different. Even though it happened the same week, Jesus said on Matthew 21, Jesus went into the temple and threw out all the people who were buying and selling there. So he saw inside the temple people doing the business transaction. This is the picture of the second temple, not the Solomon's temple, which is the first one. This is the second one. So temple is supposed to be the place where they worship God. It was supposed to be kept holy, sacred, and pay respect. Instead, inside the temple, they were selling the animals for the sacrifice. Small sheep, big cows, and birds. It can be done outside, but they chose to do it inside. The suspicion is that maybe high priest got some bribe, pocketed the money, okay, you can come in, right here. Because uh, if they sell it inside the temple, Maybe it was a higher value, so they can charge more. Anyway. So, it said, Jesus went into temple, and threw out all the people who were buying and selling there. He turned over the tables of those who were exchanging. And this is one of the pictures of the Jesus doing exactly the same thing. So, inside the temple was supposed to be holy, sacred, only for the worship. But people were selling those things. And we can think of us for a short time. So what does that mean to us? Because when we accept Jesus, Holy Spirit comes to us and He, Holy Spirit stays inside of us, which is our temple inside. God actually stays inside of us in a small temple inside. In the beginning, we were very diligent praying and in the beginning, we even shared the gospel others with others. In the beginning, we try to be holy. We try to be like the person that God wants. But as time passed by, we also accumulate things inside, in a way. Jesus, who doesn't get upset often, do get upset for those things. So if we accumulate things inside like that, like that picture, he gets upset. So that's something to think about. So Jesus said... My temple will be called the house of prayer. You are changing it into hideout of robbers. Whenever we do those things, Holy Spirit is grieving. He gets upset. And the Bible does say, do not grieve your Holy Spirit who is inside. So we're actually making Holy Spirit upset. You can tell from this picture, he's pretty upset. And people are desperately escaping from him. So, number four. So why is Palm Sunday so important to our God? We kind of know why it's important, but let's look at it. Why is it important? Because God planned it and waited for a long time. He waited over 4,000 and 33 years. Always it's better to take a look at the chart. So I'll show you the chart in a few minutes. When Jesus said the time has come, that time to die took 4,033 years. So that's how long he's been waiting. So I'll show you the one chart. Always one chart is better than 1,000 words. Okay, so this is the Bible story time, uh, timeline. So look at number one. That's when Adam and Eve lived. That's almost, uh, okay, you cannot see it right here, but it's about uh, 4,000 years ago. So from there to Abraham, it took uh, 2,000 years. From from Adam to Abraham, 2,000. And from there to birth of Jesus took 4,000 years. So that's how long God was waiting. And then Jesus, Jesus was, became 33 years, and then so 4,033 years. So for Palm Sunday to come, God waited that long. Why did he wait? He knew exactly when this was going to happen. So it's not like it was a guessing game. No, he knew exactly when it's going to happen. He waited 4,033 years. So Palm Sunday, first one, That was very important. Not only to us, but to him. And then, of course, after that, uh, five days later, Jesus died on the cross. And then three days later, he resurrected. So it was time. That's what Jesus said. Time has come for me to die. So, today's title was the conclusion of a long journey toward Calvary. Calvary means the place where Jesus died. So for him to die on the cross, God prepared and waited a very long time. And as I said, he knew exactly when this was going to happen. And one of the the verse that will help us to understand his plan is Hebrew 9.16. For, well, there is a will. Will is, you know, so our parents wrote the will before they die, and that's the will I'm talking about, which is also called testament, involved, the death of a one who made it must be established. So what does that mean? You know, the the will written by our parents is not really in effect until the person who wrote that will Pass away, and then after they die, the certificate of death is presented to the lawyer. And when lawyer received that, lawyer will say, "Okay, now I know such and such person died. So let me take out the will he wrote, and he take out, and then that will is effective." So this is mentioned in Hebrew nine sixteen. So let's take a look why. That is important to us. See, so when that, is, that death is proved by certificate death or by blood in Old Testament period, will becomes effective. So will, or Old Testament, or New Testament, all those promises God has made in those books to be effective, make of those, those wills, has have to die. Who is the maker of those will? Who is the ultimate author of Old Testament and New Testament? I'm talking about Bible. So who actually wrote this will? Ultimately it is God. So for this promise to be effective, so the God has to die. And of course, the Jesus, as one of the Trinity, God, had to die. One of the promise in this book is, sin can be forgiven only by the blood. So when Jesus died on the cross, that promise became eternally effective because there was a blood that was presented. So, 4,030 years ago, before Jesus died on the cross, God knew already Jesus had to die. So our salvation promise will be effective. And that is why he had to die. So years before the crucifixion, long before Jesus was born, God knew Jesus will be born in little Bethlehem. And Jesus will die on the cross. He knew already. So that all his will here including sin can be forgiven only by the blood, death, the promise written in Old Testament and New Testament will become effective. So whoever believes that they are, they are sinner and repent of their sin and believe that Jesus died on the cross for their sin and his blood was shed for their sin as evidence for his death, Will have eternal life. Let's pray.